Greetings, you have reached Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the New Testament book of Acts, and today we will be looking at chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. But first, let me read the passage in context, beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. The Word of God reads this way. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So today I would like to discuss with you the ascension of Jesus and his return to heaven. And in this discussion about the ascension, I I plan to discuss an aspect that is not commonly brought up when this passage is, is read and discussed. So let's begin. The ascension is a fact. It's not fiction. It is a fact. We have eyewitness account to the fact that Jesus ascended up into heaven in the sight of the, his faithful disciples. His ascension also validates his declarations of everything that he had said of himself. You, know, you might remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, when he was with his disciples in the upper room, he shared many important things with his disciples. These were things that he had mentioned many times before, but now time was short, and he was sharing once again with them the most important things. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 19 through 20, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Same chapter, verses 28-29 says this, Jesus speaking, You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. 
Later in that conversation, in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, Jesus said this, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said that he was going to return to his Father who is in heaven. And this is the moment that he spoke of. I can only imagine what that must have been like for the disciples to have observed Jesus rising up from the earth into the clouds and finally out of sight. And this exact process of departure is very important to observe and understand. You will notice that the angel said to his disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Did you catch that? In like manner. Let's explore that just a little bit. So when, when Jesus returns at the end of the seven-year tribulation, which is still yet to come, he will return in the clouds, not in the desert, not on a deserted island, not in a palace or, or a temple or even a church building. No, no, he is coming down in the clouds and he will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Let's take a look at a few passages that support this. Uh, so first, let's turn to what Jesus himself had to say about this. In Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said this, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Jesus is speaking of himself. He often referred to himself as the Son of Man. And so he is speaking of the day that he is going to be returning after the tribulation, and he will be returning in the clouds, and he's coming with great power and great glory. This event is uh, described more fully in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in chapter 19. And I'm going to read verses 11 through 16, and just so that you might um, have a fuller appreciation of exactly what Jesus was talking about. So this uh, event in cha Revelation chapter 9, 19 takes place at the end of the, of the tribulation period when uh, the world has been uh, shattered by uh, calamitous events. And the scripture says this, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judge, judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. 
He had a name written that no one except him knew except himself, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a description of Jesus Christ. It, uh, it's uh, the, his eyes of flame of fire, those are eyes of judgment. On his head is many crowns because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's called the Word of God, which we know from John chapter 1, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And the sharp sword that comes from his mouth is the Word of God, because in Hebrews chapter 4, it says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And he comes to rule them with an iron rod. That is a quote from Psalm 2, which is a messianic psalm. And if you were to read it, you would come to understand that it is a description of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see here the return of Jesus, but the return in clouds. And he's coming with the armies of heaven, which are his angelic hosts, but he's also coming with those who are wearing fine linen, white and clean, and that is the church. The church that had been raptured seven years earlier and had been with Christ, and they return with Christ and the hosts of heaven. It is a mighty day and a great and glorious day uh, when Jesus returns, and he returns to, to reign as King of kings and Lord, and Lord of lords over all the earth. And in fulfillment of scriptural promises and prophecies, he will sit on David's throne in Jerusalem, and he will reign as king over the earth for a thousand years. But that is a discussion for another time. I simply wanted to point out that, these pass that this passage here is, is a, a greater explanation of what Jesus had already said, but there is even more. Let's turn now to Zechariah, the Old Testament pro prophetic book, Zechariah, chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. That passage reads, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half the mountain shall move north and half toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, and the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee, as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. This is very specific that when the Lord comes, he's coming not meek and mild, he's coming as judge and ruler over the earth. 
And he comes to fight against the nations, those who have rejected him and have rejected the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says on that day that his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. That is the very point where Jesus ascended. He was standing on the Mount of Olives at his ascension, and at his return, he will once again stand on the Mount of Olives. Going back to our passage in Acts, you'll remember that what the, uh, the two men said to the disciples, I'll read it again for you. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Once again, we're going to re, uh, turn to uh, what Jesus had to say about this coming. So in Matthew this time, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 30, Jesus said this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So why is this point so important? Why is it so important for the disciples to observe his ascension in the clouds and to hear the message of the promised return? Remember, just as the many prophecies concerning Christ's first coming were fulfilled perfectly, just as it had been written, so also will the prophecies concerning his second coming be equally fulfilled. Let me make two observations. The first is this, that the assurance of his return was not only a promise kept, it is also a source of hope during the long years where the church, the Christian church of Jesus Christ is, will be suffering persecution. And it has been for 2,000 years. And the persecution will continue to increase the, as we draw closer to that time when Jesus will return. There is a hope that we can look to, that there is a day when Jesus will come and set all things right, that Jesus will come in power and great authority. And we can look forward to that day even as we persevere today. It was also, it was important for Jesus to return to heaven so that number one, he could send the promised Holy Spirit, which is what we discussed last time. But there's another aspect to his return that is important. For the scripture says, that now, now that he has returned, he's interceding for us. He's bringing us before, before God, his Father. He's, he's bringing our prayers, our needs, and, and our very selves before him. I like what J. Oswald Chambers wrote in his book, My Utmost for His Highest. He, he had this to say. It's an excellent observation. Our Lord does now go back into his primal glory, but he does not go back simply as son of God. 
He goes back to God as Son of Man as well as Son of God. There is now freedom of access for anyone straight to the very throne of God by the ascension of the Son of Man. As Son of Man, Jesus Christ deliberately limited omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience in himself. Now they are his in absolute full power. As Son of Man, Jesus Christ has all power at the throne of God. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords from the day of his ascension until now. Don't you find it comforting to know that Jesus, the one who has all power and authority, is now bringing you before the throne of God? Jesus promised just before he ascended that he would be with us always, even to the very end of the age. Now that is good news. Jesus is with us. Jesus knows. He knows you. He knows all about you. And he loves you. Come to him in prayer. Seek him with all of your heart. Lay your burdens at his feet. Because he is interceding for you. Listen to what the Bible says about this wonderful ministry. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he says this, Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Do you hear that? He's able to save. He's willing to save you and me. Oh, he loves us so very much. Listen to what the Bible says about this. It's in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 34. It says this, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen, and who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sleep, sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is truly good news. Isn't he a wonderful savior? And let me ask you this. Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, O oh God, that on that day the disciples did see Jesus ascend into heaven. Because with that ascension, with that return to heaven, also comes the promise that Jesus will return again and we will see him 
face to face. Oh Lord, I pray that on that day we would be ready to see Jesus. If there is anyone who is listening to this who has not yet received Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray, O oh God, that they would take that step to cry out to you and pray, Lord Jesus, I believe that you lived and died and rose from the dead. I believe that you died for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin and become my savior. I open my heart to you. Please become the Lord of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me and for forgiving me of my sin. Amen. Heavenly Father, for those who prayed that prayer, I ask, O oh God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would fall upon them, that they might know you, that they might love you, and that they might know the fullness of joy of your presence in their life. And may they hunger and thirst for you and for your word. Thank you, O oh Lord, for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your promises. And thank you for the assurance that we know Jesus is coming again. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, until next time, my dear friend, may God richly bless you.